0: Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host Tom Gerard. Uh, this week I catch up with Sydney-based artist Stephen Tierney. How are you going? Hey mate, I'm good. Thanks for taking the time to sit down and have a
1: chat. Yeah, no worries. Thank you.
0: No worries. Um, yeah, I haven't, uh, interviewed a lot of people from Sydney, so it's good to get you on the show. Um, yeah, yeah. Like I remember you, uh, from back in the nineties, like from the skate scene <laughs> Yeah. and, uh, like, you know, you were, you were right in there and sponsored by brands and like in all the magazines and stuff like that. Um, like were you doing art as well back then or was all your focus all on skating?
1: No, for sure. I was definitely doing a lot of art. Um, yeah, I've still got all these old sketchbooks and stuff that i was using make uh whatever working with at the time but yeah i mean obviously i was i was drawing on my board like the same with every other skater you know what i mean i was like drawing on my boards got my posca pens and making art on my grip tape or whatever um but i studied art in school and that was my major in school and i always kind of wanted to be an artist um it wasn't until like end of primary school and it just actually no Early in high school, actually, yeah, mid-high school, I realized what graphic design was and kind of ended up going a bit more in that way. But I studied, um, yeah, art all through high school.
0: Yeah. And, like, there seems to be a lot of skaters who have um, crossed over into art as well. Like, yeah, of course. You know, like, we've got a lot of friends who have all done it. And, you know, then you just yeah. look at the, what's happening in, around the world. There's a lot, lot of crossovers there. Do you think there's a like a pretty strong link between um, like skateboarding, surfing, and you know those
1: um, sort of solo sports and creativity? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, a lot of people say it, right? But um, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like they're both—they're all creative kind of sports in themselves, and you know, a lot of people like don't like to call them sports even, <laughs> but um, but I mean, I always put it back to the idea that the, the the idea of the graphics on the skateboards. like everyone remembers their first board graphic everyone you know when you when you were a kid going to the skate shop you were like just fascinated with those board graphics and and they kind of stay in your head and and for me it was like I don't know I mean I was an artist anyway I was drawing cartoons and whatever so I just pretty quickly was keen to try and um figure out you know drawing board graphics and stuff um and I I even used to like spray paint over my boards, like not early in the day. I mean, I've definitely loved all the old, original boards I had, but there was a point when I started spray painting over them and making my own graphics just by hand, for a while, or all like stenciling and stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was um I was working for a distribution company in um in London. They were distributing uh, Zoo York boards, like back in the early two thousands. They had yeah. heaps of brands, but what, uh, like a whole pallet of boards showed up, and they'd um. And they like dipped them all white, but they forgot to screen the graphics on, so they right. couldn't sell them. So, um, yeah, for a few years there, I was like making my own graphics and just skate my own pro models, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, right. No, exactly
1: the same. Yeah, it was. It's cool. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, um, you mentioned that you uh you studied art. Did you go to art school as well?
1: Um, yeah, I went to like a private college or like a, a design college in Sydney, a bit like um. I don't know what's in Melbourne. Is it like Shillington College or something? Or like um, – or like there's one in Sydney called Billy Blue, but it wasn't like university. It was like um, – it was a college set up. It doesn't actually exist anymore, but it was called Sydney Graphics College. And that was just in the city in Ultimo. And I basically like – yeah, when I finished high school, I mean I studied art in high school and majored in art or whatever. But, um, yeah, I had – I mean, I wanted to be an artist, but then somehow, I don't know how I really figured out about graphic design, but somehow I got into it. And I, maybe it was from, like, designing boards because I was actually designing boards in, like, when I was in year 11 and year 12 and, um, and not even with a computer, like, literally, like, hand-drawn, even the text and stuff, or, like, that, le- that, that letter set stuff. Um, and then, yeah, so I, yeah, so I studied um, at this, um, this college in, in, in Sydney, in the city. Yeah. That was like a two-year, three-year degree.
0: Okay, and like, what sort of stuff did you learn? Was it, was it also design and art? Like, so it wasn't yeah. just painting and stuff. It was like computer stuff as well.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, we, I was like in the generation where it was the first round. It was literally—I'm pretty sure—I learned on the first release of Photoshop and Illustrator. And um, I think the year, or maybe the year before me, or the two, the, maybe the two years before me, they didn't even have computers. <laughs> Um, so this is like 94, 95. Um, and so what we're learning, yeah, illustrator and Photoshop and Quark Express or whatever, that was the text based document, um, program. And, but also, yeah, there was like creative kind of thinking, um, and illustration, which was with like, um, an amazing lecturer who really kind of was pretty life changing for me. who was Peter Powditch. She's a pretty famous Australian artist. Um, and he actually taught a lot of people at that time. Um, so for me, that was different. I mean, we studied, we had people come in and teach us graphic design and, you know, learning how to use illustrator and Photoshop programs, but then also how to design, you know, logos and book magazines or whatever. But then there was also life drawing illustration kind of like, yeah, this creative thinking kind of class that was all based around a bit more of the psychology of design, which was really, really great. I reckon.
0: Yeah, I studied in um, like I started a bit later. I had a few careers before I, I went to graphic design, but yeah. um, even in 2004, when like that's when I started studying, and it was like you know computers were well and truly in the industry by then, mm. but they were still teaching everything by hand, which I thought was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that's great.
0: Yeah, and then the, um, the computer side of things was more about how to um, output a file and you know mm. set set up things for print, you know, so you could actually get your artwork done but then like there was a lot of it was all um you know you just had to learn how to do compositions with um yeah you know cutting out shapes and and blocks of text and then like laying them all out on a board and making you know getting having like five different you know five or ten different uh layouts of it with using the same elements if you know what i mean
1: yeah totally yeah i remember kind of doing similar stuff like that Mm. yeah i wonder
0: if it's still taught these days
1: yeah I know. same um my younger cousin is just finishing a design course and she hit me up recently to like well she just wanted some advice but i was i've kind of keen to talk to her about like what yeah what they're learning she probably knows so much more about the programs than i do anymore i was talking to someone yesterday about um like illustrator photoshop and and how much i'm still using them in an old school way like i use them as three separate um programs but i think actually what's happening a lot more is that like people are combining and not even using all three of them. Like and now you can use just Photoshop and obviously do all vector and text and images. So, like he was, this guy was asking me, do I even need to use Illustrator? And I was like, well, probably not, but I love using it. Like yeah. I don't know. But I'm from the old school way of like there were three separate programs. You had to do text in Quark, vectors in Illustrator and photos in Photoshop, and then you combine them all later. And so I still kind of do that. Um, it's funny
0: yeah I'm a bit the same. There was a few years there where every um a friend of mine got me onto it. He was a bit of a design nerd. and um every time the you know a new um you know a new series of the design packages would come out, yeah. he'd um he'd like read up on all the new features, yeah and uh, and then start using them. So it was like sort of moving with the times. yeah, right. and I got in the, like when I was working in the industry, I got in the habit of doing that. and just I'll just do video tutorials because I couldn't be bothered yeah. re- reading the stuff. but um yeah, it was uh, it was really handy, you know, because I, I was freelancing for years, so I was bouncing around, going to different jobs, and you know, you'd be using the um, all the new features, and everyone'd be like, "Oh, how'd you do that?" And it's like, yeah, fully. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, you know, this one's been out yeah, for a few years. I did now. that for a while yeah.
1: too myself, but I've kind of lagged off recently, definitely in the last few years. Yeah yeah
0: yeah they're all it's all it's all there for a reason it's like constantly they?
1: updating their programs that's the most annoying thing for me it's like every day you turn your computer on it's like adobe's updating you're like what the fuck what was wrong with the one yesterday like, yeah I don't know. yeah anyway I'm, st-
0: I'm still running an old one
1: fully old school <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's funny i've worked for um like big companies and they um and they had like counterfeit like um oh man i was running counterfeits like forever yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i need to i, I don't I use it enough anymore you're... i've been like um i can't justify yeah, like,
1: spending the money yeah yeah i mean i still switch between so i'm like probably 60 percent on computer doing design stuff and 40 percent, maybe a bit less doing my handmade artwork stuff
0: so when you are uh, when you start working in design like what type of um design jobs were you getting
1: Um, like my first job out of school, out of like design school, um, was with a small design studio in Belmain in Sydney and they were kind of like, they called themselves information design and I mean, yeah, so we did a lot of like pretty technical reports and, and, um, like forms and documents and like, I, I don't know, I think about it a lot because it's pretty much set me on the path of where I'm at now in many ways, but, um, it was pretty Kind of like conservative type design, and very much around quite str- using text very strictly because it was all about readability of um, of quite technical documents. And uh, I mean, I yeah, it was funny because I was like in there and I was 20 years old designing these pretty, you know, most designers would say they're pretty boring. But then I was, you know, also on my on the side designing skateboards and stuff. So, um, but that was. It was a good job and i was there for a couple of years um i just think it was really good training to set me up um for thinking um about the importance of text and the importance of readability and the important importance of the client um but then yeah my next job was australian skateboarding magazine <laughs> so pretty i switched pretty dramatically and then i worked in magazines for years after that like for about from about Um, So when was this, like 98, 99, I was working for a publishing company that did Australian Skateboarding Mag and like all the surf mags, like tracks and waves and and, a bunch of like outdoor kind of action sports mags. And so I was there for a long time between a couple of publishing companies until about 2008 and then I went completely freelance and since then I've been pretty much working for myself.
0: Hmm. Yeah, even um, like laying out that info... Design stuff that you were you were saying at the beginning. Yeah. That's, that's like pretty handy skills to have because you know, like when you're working for yourself or something, it's not they're not the sort of things you're going to teach yourself mm. unless you really have to. But um, mm. but when it comes down to you know you know using uh using only text to get information across, it's um, a exactly. pretty important skill to have.
1: Yeah, it's really good. Like it's that's what, exactly what you say is really interesting. Like not being able to you know fill it in with like graphic. Uh, devices and color and stuff well color is a good thing to use but yeah being able to make really boring straight text look and read interesting and easy to read with pretty much just the text and maybe some colored boxes and stuff or whatever shapes and things you can use but no like you know no crazy illustrations or images and whatnot yeah so yeah i think it's a really good skill to have
0: yeah i bet you were wrapped having the um like the the, you know the skate graphics on the side and stuff
1: totally man yeah i mean i was at that exactly that time i was you know sponsored by omni and skating heaps um it must have been pretty funny because i was in an office with all pretty much middle-aged women there was only one other man and and me like this 20-year-old skater with like my 90s baggy jeans and converse and i'd skate into the work i think they loved me like they thought i was really kind of eccentric and and brought a lot of flair to the office or whatever cuz were it was a pretty conservative um design uh space so uh, but i enjoyed it it was it was actually just a great training ground you know what i mean like a great and i still think about it it's funny like even when i'm designing i still think back to the things they taught me when i'm working with text um which is really cool
0: what's um what's like a key thing just off the top of your head uh, well there was
1: this woman well there was a woman that like because i design i still design a lot of reports now i mean we can talk about it but I, I work for the un a lot now and um so i'm working with big chunks of pretty boring text and uh, just about like making helping text be readable and how where you break lines of text because i think a lot of designers probably don't even think about that where it's like you just put text in a box and you just you might just let it flow but you've like thinking about when a sentence is reader reading and whether you bring, if there's an end in between two words, you know, bringing things down. And I'm sure a lot of designers do think about it, but I'm sure it's sometimes not. And it's just about, yeah, things like that. I'm thinking, yeah, I've always this woman was Sandy. I'm always like, what would Sandy do in this situation? And I'm trying to think about how that, yeah, how that text would have been. Um, and even sometimes rewriting text to shorten it. Um, yeah. Making things simpler and easier to read yeah stuff like that
0: yeah so in um in 2011 um you quit all your design work and went to live in cambodia like what like Mm. what sparked the idea to go do that
1: um i was completely well a few things but i was really over the design industry and sydney in general um yeah i basically wanted to not be a designer anymore um and um and so i mean my my wife and and she was my girlfriend at the time Works in works in development anyway, and she was basically um, she got a job with the UN in Cambodia, and we'd been talking about it, and um, and she basically she applied for this job and she was like, oh yeah, I'm applying for this thing, you know, I might get it. Well, I'll be over there for a year or whatever. And I don't know, I don't I don't remember really thinking that much about it, but um, she got it, and then I I guess I was just like, well, fuck, okay, I'm gonna I'm not gonna break up with you. I'm coming. So I went. And I guess I explained to a bunch of my clients what I was doing. And I guess I tried to convince them that I could, I could still, you know, I was in a studio in Surrey Hills. A lot of my clients were around Sydney, but, I, and I, but I'd never met them face to face. And I was doing the work and I was trying to convince them that I was still available and only a couple of hours difference. But no one went for it. Like they were like, oh, no, we want you to be, you know, I don't know. They were just really freaked out by this idea, which is ridiculous. So, anyway, I just went, and um, she was like, look, <clears throat> I'll support you financially. And, and, and I mean, she had a, um, you know, obviously rent's cheap there and life's cheap there. So I just arrived. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, but actually before I went, I looked into some volunteering options, and I ended up finding, like, the perfect volunteer option, which was with um, this organization called Skater Stand. So I was, I was full-time with them, like, volunteering, but uh, I wasn't getting paid. By anyone else doing much else. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's a good way to, the um, thing is, good just to jump into these things, isn't it? You never know what's uh, at yeah. the, the other end for you.
1: Yeah. It's- so, yeah, exactly. I mean, I was in Sydney and I was working in, um, I was doing a couple of days a week inside a, like an advertising studio and I was doing ads for like phone companies and banks and stuff. And it was just doing my head in. I was just like, I don't care about these products, and I'm basically designing these ads to trick people into buying products that they don't need and they can't afford. Like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And of and, um, here I've got this opportunity to go try something different, um, break out of it and whatever, and so I just took it. And I mean, obviously I, I was really lucky that she, you know, was supporting me and, um, <clears throat> and you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like I just went off and had nothing. But um, but it was pretty freaky at first, and I guess because I'm very work focused, it was a bit strange because I was, I feel, um, you know, I don't know, you're probably the same, but like artists, like when you're really focused on your work all the time, when you're not working, you feel like you're kind of don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, you feel like you're drifting um, or something, or yeah, like what's, up, what's yeah, going yeah on like wasting your life. life, kind <laughs> of thing. Yeah. So I was pretty, I was pretty motivated to try and make things happen, and I started freelancing a bit. Picking up jobs here and there, and it built from there. But um, but yeah, I literally walked away from it all, and I was probably, you know, not many people would do it because I was thirty, what three or something, thirty-four. So and I had a, you know, I had heaps of clients. Like it was a successful freelance business. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, but it worked out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know I know what you mean though, because I I like I was living in London freelancing, and I moved to Barcelona. And yeah. no one wanted to work with me. It's like, I'm still here. You never, We never okay. spoke face-to-face in London. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm, like, I'm on, pretty much on the same time zone. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was like an hour difference or something. Was, yeah, for some reason, there's this like psychological barrier when you're yeah. in a different like country.
1: To, yeah. Or well, your clients just like to think they've got control of you, right? Like, yeah. or, Like, got you on hand.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, it's interesting you went to work for uh skater stand because like um, mm-hmm. like Oliver, who's you know who's the owner, um, he's an old friend of mine. We used to skate together in Melbourne. Oh shit! Oh, cool. But um, yeah, I was so proud of him when seeing him start that. Like I um, I don't know if you've um, heard that uh, that podcast "Thrill of It All" by um, yeah. by Jamie Thomas. Yeah, he interviewed him um, this week on it, and it's like really interesting story of how he uh, you know followed his girlfriend over to Afghanistan and then started. Skaterstan, which yep. um, has really like, you know, impacted a lot of people's lives. But, um, oh, hopefully
1: it's a, it's a great project. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Um, so, so what sort of work were you doing for them? Um, so, yeah, it was amazing to arrive at the, in Cambodia because they were pretty early days. So they already had the Afghanistan up and running and um, and I, they'd literally just started the Cambodia one. So it was pretty like um, <laughs> unorganized and pretty raw, like kind of set up. I and mean, they didn't really know what they were doing, um, so it was just literally like this crazy French dude who was the manager, and um, and me, and then this other a German volunteer came a few weeks after, or maybe a month after I'd started. But we just like I don't know. We got some boards donated from um, actually an Australian um, NGO that was doing similar stuff in Timor or somewhere. And um, so we had these boards, but they were pretty already pretty waterlogged and pretty shitty, but we would just go to these schools and also down into the in like to the waterside the riverside in Phnom Penh with boards and some knee pads and stuff and just like get kids together and just roll around. Um, and yeah, it was mental. Like um, they were building up the program and and I guess it built up pretty quick and got and a lot more volunteers came in, but when I first arrived it was like, I couldn't believe it. We were just, like, driving out into the middle of nowhere, dustiest ground, shittiest concrete you've ever seen, and trying to, like, ride skateboards on it. Like, when I'd come from the 90s kind of marble service of the city, um, I had to get used to, yeah, that pretty quick. But it was, it was also kind of liberating, I guess, in a way. <laughs> it was just, like, not giving a shit about your board and so much. Yeah. and, and Just you- enjoying playing with these kids. Yeah. Were you, um,
0: were you helping with the educational part of it as well?
1: Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, in Cambodia at first they didn't have, like in Afghanistan they, I think, they set up the school pretty quickly, but we were just working with kids mostly who weren't even in school or would come from school and just skate. So we weren't really doing, there was no classroom at first. Um, they've got classrooms and stuff now, I believe. But um but it was more like we'd just go and teach them how to ride a skateboard. And, and it was more – because the ba- language barrier was just, like, impossible. Like, they couldn't speak English and we couldn't speak Khmer. Um, we got some young Khmer people in pretty quickly. But, um, but yeah, it was, like, literally just that whole – like, that raw th- idea of the international language of skateboarding. Like, here, yeah, I'm on this board tic tacking around and trying to ollie here, you have a go, and then they'd get on it. And it was just more about, like, getting smiles on their faces and getting them off the streets because they were working in the streets and, you know, working in the um, garbage dumps and stuff. And and in that way it was just more about, like, um, giving them something, you know, better to do than, than yeah, just living on the street. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the education thing came in a little bit later, I guess, in terms of, if you mean, like, by education, by, like, more schooling side of it. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, we we're just we we're just getting them on boards like for a couple of hours a day, just to kind of basically, yeah, give them some something fun to do for a few hours. Mm.
0: Yeah, because after like we're hearing what um, Ollie says about it, it's like um, yeah, you, know, you get you get them into skating and it puts a smile mm. on their faces and then starts uh, you know making them have to do like a couple of hours of schooling before they're allowed mm. to ride the skateboards.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. So <laughs> it's like, pretty good, like educate the them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was oh, great. for sure. It's an incredible program. Like, it's really, it's brilliant. And it's obviously got a lot of popularity and, um, in terms of like funding and people interested in it, funding it. So it's, I mean, it's just, it's a great, it's a very different approach for youth, um, development. Um, yeah. It's pretty much like, yeah, I couldn't have failed really. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's brilliant.
0: Yeah. No, good. Name. And it's good to hear that you are, you know, you've helped out with it. I've donated yeah, a bit of money, cool. but that's about it. I feel
1: like, um, yeah. <laughs>
0: you know, so yeah you know, it's so cool what's happening,
1: oh man, it's incredible, and I, like I was actually literally back there the other week. I was in Cambodia two weeks ago, um for some other reasons, but also obviously to catch up with old friends and I went down there and there's a girl who's like the leader of the group now, like a young Khmer girl, and she's when I was there, she was the first kind of um like employee, I guess like Khmer employee. But she was like a young DJ, like MC or something, like which is super cool. She was like 19 or something, 18 or 19 at the time, um, and I mean, she was obviously she could attract the kids really easily, quickly because she was just ultra cool and like into all this cool music and break beat, break dancing and stuff. And um, but she would never written a skateboard, so literally like I was, me and this other guy Rory were probably the first people to like hand her a skateboard and get her rating. But now, man, she rips! Like it's really cool to go back and see that. Because <clears throat> um, she's—I don't know if—I don't know—I don't know if this is. I heard them talking the other day. But I don't know if this is real, but they were talking about taking her to to meet someone to talk about the Olympics. So I don't know if she's maybe going to be representing Cambodia in the Olympics. But I don't. It sounded like that's what they were talking about. But that would be that would be pretty damn cool.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, people. Yeah, uh, you, know, you just get them started, and so many things can happen to it. Because um. Absolutely. Yeah, like in the interview I heard the other day, like Ollie was saying that the um you know, some guy in Afghanistan who was like pretty much in rags and he was uneducated mm. and all that sort of stuff. And um through the skater stand programme he's turned into the you know, the best skater in Afghanistan and he's also um he's just mm. got a law degree. Yeah, wow.
1: Oh yeah. man, it's yeah, it's definitely incredible how that can work that way. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway, moving on though. Um mm. so in uh in uh, 2013 you decided to um to move to Mexico. Um mm. what was the motivation behind that move?
1: Um again kind of my partner but um like she'd studied in Mexico years before and we'd always talked about going there. Like I think Cambodia was a bit of a like a random one. She just applied for a bunch of jobs in a bunch of countries and I think even Latin America was a, a choice. But she happened to get the one in Cambodia so we did that. But we both kind of wanted to go to mexico and i'd been there with her traveling and enjoyed it and it's and that was just seemed super cool and interesting and i actually did an artist residency there um at some point i think before we went to cambodia actually in 2000 early 2011 i did like a month artist residency in in puebla in mexico with this um yeah with an artist residency space and I kept in contact with them and they opened up this new space in Oaxaca, which is a city in South Mexico that I wa- we basically wanted to live in. And so I applied for this job of um, of running the residency space and I got the job. And so, yeah, literally just went over and started running this space. And I was kind of basically like, it was just a big house and, um, and artists were coming from all over the world and I helped manage their project and you know make sure they had everything they needed around the house um day to day and that the studio was set up for them and kind of be a communicator between you know showing them around the city and also other artists and galleries around the area and helping them get that thing going so yeah that was that was how i got there um but then i just stayed how long for um i only we were technically we really kind of Came home December last year, 2017. Like, we've been home a few times, but we've been living there up until December. This is the longest I've been in Australia since, like, 2011, which has been about seven or eight months now.
0: Wow. That's
1: yeah. That's pretty
0: cool. I think we're in... Uh, yeah. So, you're in Oaxaca the whole time, right? Y-
1: yep. Yep.
0: Man, I would have been there at the same time, as you?
1: Oh, shit. Yeah. When were you there? Uh,
0: 2013, I think.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I traveled all over Latin America and came up through Mexico into the States.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was bloody good. I I loved it there. I I saw on, um, I was looking on your website and you you did an interior of a, um, in a cafe there and it was a cafe down the road from where we were staying. We used to go in there all the time.
1: (laughs) The El Valedor one, right? Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. He was a good friend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Oaxaca is amazing, man. I've never experienced a city like it in the world. It's like for a small town basically it's like a small country town um, it's got it's the most creative um, and you know buzzing kind of city and and open and and collaborative that I've ever experienced um, yeah you just can't get bored there mm. it's crazy
0: yeah i I found um. You know, the markets there were really cool as well and there was, just seemed to be a lot of music around as well and um, yeah. lots of arts and craft everywhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just got a great focus on traditional art uh, with a mix of contemporary, which I find really interesting and inspiring. So there's like, obviously, it's a huge Indigenous community there and um, and so you're seeing all that, you know, traditional art form and, and, and ways of making art, but then there's all these younger artists coming up doing really interesting contemporary stuff and mixing it all in. And so that's really exciting.
0: Yeah. So, like, um, you've been exhibiting since 2002 and, um, you know, you're saying that you, um, you're really honed in on your uh, your collage style while you were living in Mexico. Like, yeah. h- how did you go about developing your style while you were there?
1: Um, I mean, I was kind of doing, like, mixed media and collage stuff always and then yeah like around 2010 or 11 or something I started I just wanted to I just realized like I've been exhibiting and and kind of like jumping around styles a bit not focusing on you know one thing and I guess I I realized you know and I'd seen a bunch of other of my other friends kind of do that like focus on a style and kind of start developing that style and then start exhibiting that and and you know getting a following going and I realized oh yeah like that's obviously what you know, I should be doing in a way if I want to kind of create some interest around what I'm doing. Um, so I started uh, focusing on, yeah, this collage technique. And then while I guess while I was running the residency, I just got really inspired because I think my whole job was to just hang out with artists all day, help them with their projects. And I had a fair bit of spare time and I had a studio sitting right there. And um, so I just got to work and like started messing around with this stuff and found something i liked pretty quickly and um, did an exhibition there actually with it and then came back here that year like the end of 2013 and did a show in sydney um with the first kind of yeah series of that kind of hand cut collage stuff yeah
0: and um like where do you source your material from like i guess mexico would have had some um like pretty good stuff around
1: yeah, for sure. There was like a lot of old. I mean, I was, I started, yeah, collecting old magazines, like old life magazines from the 50s and stuff. Um, I just loved those kind of old black and white images, or not even the color stuff, but just mostly the fashion and the women's hairstyles and like those old ads and stuff. I just was kind of a bit obsessed with that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I mostly do use that and have definitely got a pretty good collection of old, um, yeah, these old life and, and I guess, um, women's fashion mags. I don't know. I just tend to collect these images of women for some reason.
0: Yeah. And w- uh, where do you look for these magazines?
1: Um, like, just in, you know, um, bizarre markets and stuff and, and secondhand bookstores. There's a there – in Mexico City, there's a whole district. Like, you know, you know, like in Mexico or in the U.S., it's the same where, you know, you go to the, like – there's one street that's like, you know, the hammock district or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you go to the the secondhand book district and there's just like this street. It's ridiculous. Like, if you're a college artist or whatever, if you're into secondhand books, it's just crazy. There's just old encyclopedias and old, um, yeah, magazines and and books from way back. Like, it's, yeah, incredible. So I would go to Mexico City pretty regularly and try and hit up, um, yeah, Catch the bus to Mexico City, which is like four or five hours, and for a weekend, and you know, hanging out, whatever, maybe whatever, hang out, meet some friends and stuff. But I'd also definitely come back with like, yeah, a suitcase of eight kilos of books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I found that weird about um, Latin America how they had like districts of everything because I like I'd be trying to find paint and I'd ask a local, yeah. you know, where can I get some paint? They go, I have to go to the paint district, and it's like, well, yeah, right, it's, like, it's awesome. They're like, no, you're in the the cleaning products district. It or makes so like much that, sense. Uh it does but it doesn't because if you think about it like in Australia like every suburb will have yeah. like you know the butcher the baker the you know yeah. the $2 shop the all the, the supermarket all that type of stuff and you can you, do, you like everything's right there you don't have to go across town to get one thing
1: True yeah yeah yeah
0: but then when you get to that side of town there's like 50 shops to choose from I'm
1: sure it doesn't help help for business I understand yeah I wonder how that works too I've wondered that in the past like does it help business that they're all in the same area or does it you know yeah are they just competing against each other yeah but um but there's something just interesting about it i mean it works well in oaxaca because it's a small city so you just know like if you need some electronics gear you just go there's like a you know because like in oaxaca it's it's kind of the size of a you know there's only about um it's a massive state like a giant state but oaxaca city is pretty small compared to you know mexican cities i think there's like um, less than 300,000 people in within the city. Um, it's pr- spread out on the outsides, but around the city, like uh, we would walk everywhere. Like everything I did was within, within the radius of probably about 10 or 12 blocks, like on a weekly, daily basis. Mm. And everything, was, everything you needed was in that space. So, yeah, if you needed like art supplies, you'd go to the art supply district and there's like a few art stores. And if you needed, you know, a new – whatever um screwdriver or something there's just like this whole street of just um yeah like tools and stuff and electronics and stuff yeah it's i don't know there's a whole district there of um of um like old typewriters it's still like i don't know who's using typewriters i guess they're still using them there but um there's this street where it's all typewriter shops wow (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of cool i like walking down it it's like yeah yeah
0: so being that you use um like you source all old material for your um collages like i guess the um the decline in printed media like hasn't affected your artwork at all
1: um no because i don't use new stuff like um and i mean my ideas have changed a little bit more recently i've started kind of shooting some of my own things but but in in terms of like using magazine material i guess there's a concern that maybe those old magazines will run out at some point because they're they're not reprinting them. Obviously, they're just old magazines. And I guess secondly, I I've noticed sometimes um, I've seen other people's work and I I see other people using you know who have found the same magazine and have used the same image. But um, but in terms of like yeah, I purposely don't use new like current magazines because I didn't want to um. People to kind of associate my artwork with something that they, you know, especially because, like, if I bought fashion mags, and I know a lot of collage artists who do it, um, I would immediately start thinking of those ads that those models were in and if I recognize them. Whereas for me, I want the characters that I'm using to not really be associated with something because I'm trying to create, like, a, um, like, an emotional or kind of, or a story within that artwork so i don't want people to look at it and be like oh that's this model from you know vogue magazine and I, don't, I want it just to be like a person or or a shape yeah so yeah so i don't know i mean old magazines yeah they're gonna people are gonna run out at some point <laughs> um
0: it's <laughs> a lot of history yeah. though you know
1: yeah it's cool actually when i first started doing it i used to scan them in and um And do it a bit digitally because I I love the magazines a lot and I kind of thought they were pretty collectible. But then at one point I was just like, no, stuff it. I'm going to start cutting them up. Um, And a few people, yeah, I think a few people like see these mags like, whoa, this is like, you know, the JFK um, when, you know, I've got all these life magazines from really important moments in time, like the JFK shooting, I've got like that life magazine and I've cut it up. And all other ones like, yeah, that probably would be collectibles to some people. But I don't know. I'm just, yeah.
0: I feel. I feel that adds to the value of your art, though, doesn't it?
1: Well, yeah. Hopefully, you
0: know, <laughs> don't know if that
1: actually translates. But yeah, no, for sure. Well, um, it's like. But even again with that kind of stuff, like if it's like a JFK issue, I wouldn't use the picture of him I, if I want to represent a man an image. Like it, it, as soon as you use someone that people recognise, like it t- it changes the whole idea of the work um, for me anyway, because I'm trying to create these images that are that you don't relate back to what the where the images come from at all
0: yeah but i feel that it um that it does add to the value of your art because you what you're using is like um you know collectible like mm. magazines as your uh, as your medium if you know what i mean like even yeah. though you're not using the recognizable images out of it but it's like you know like i've got some nice paper in the studio and it's like 40 bucks a sheet and it's mm. like i know that um you know, I don't want to do do something on some recycled reflex paper. I prefer to use yeah. the uh, expensive stuff to make. You know, it's it's my job as an artist to in, increase the value of of that paper. If mm. you know what I mean, so uh, I I feel that it's your duty as well, like to um use, you know, really, you know, you sort you spend the time sourcing the imagery, and it's like mm. you're using that hard to find imagery to um you know and increase the value of it with your artwork.
1: For sure. Yeah, the other thing, interesting thing about that is, like, using these old magazines, um, I've experienced it myself, is, um, like, they fade really easily. And um, I've had to put an, a note on, and that's it, the same with any artwork, really, but I've had to make a really strong note, if anyone buys my work, to not put it, in, like, not hang it where there's direct sunlight at all because I've actually um, seen people's work that they bought off me <laughs> that um, they've hung and it's just, like, faded out. Because they had the sun was shining on it, and I've yeah, kind of a couple of times I had to replace the work for them, Mm, (laughs) something new. But yeah, but it's it's actually something I've talked about with a lot of other collage artists, like this issue of how do we because it's really some of it's really really fragile, Um, and how do you protect it and like how how do you make it last when it's been exposed? Now I I don't I don't know. Yeah, is there there
0: UV um, UV protective glass you can use and stuff like that?
1: For sure, there is. But some of us, and I was doing it at first, was um, doing these collages on like wooden board and having them just free exposed. And I would try and use some kind of varnish for a while, um, or even um, resin and stuff. But uh, but yeah, I mean, lately I've been doing it behind glass, and that's definitely helped.
0: Yeah. So is there like a um like a collage scene?
1: Yeah, big time. It's um. It's funny. I kind of think of it a bit like how like the street art kind of scene must be. I mean, it, it maybe a bit nerdier in a way, but maybe a few more middle-aged women. But um, but yeah, it's massive. Like, and I'm really pretty heavily involved in it, um, internationally. So I get invited to like collage kind of, um, uh, festivals and stuff, and uh, where we kind of you know people come together from all different countries, and there's an exhibition, and we whatever do workshops and stuff together or um and also international exhibitions where i've been invited to either exhibit in or if i can you know pay my way i can go to these things but yeah we communicate regularly i mean i've got closer friends that i communicate with but there's a big kind of online support network of like sharing each other's work and and critiquing each other's work and and yeah i don't know talking about weird stuff like what glue do you use, <laughs> what knives do you use? It's pretty, it's pretty funny.
0: Yeah. No, it's good to hear because, you know, when you're outside of a scene and, you know, or if there's something that you're really immersed in and, like, yeah. to you it's, like, it's obvious there's so many people that's in it yeah. and outside is like, what? There's actually, like, people are into this? You, yeah. You know? Not not knocking collage at all, but there's people who are shocked that, you know, like, I don't know, even graffiti and stuff like that. It's like, what? You guys oh, all, sure. like, sort of know each other? And it's like, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I'm aware of that scene because I've got a lot of friends in that scene as well. So, that's why I kind of can relate it similarly. Like, when I think about, you know, all those guys, like, Brad Eastman is a good friend of mine. And, and they're constantly doing those festivals where they get together and just paint some walls around the city. And they're obviously just all hanging out and talking about you know whatever but it's like it's the same thing and i know they're all sharing each other's work and whatever it's like um and collaborating on walls and stuff like we do that with collage like we'll get together with um you know a bunch of artists sometimes and we'll you know you would do these things where you like start a collage and then hand it to someone else and then they'll kind of finish it or or pass it right around and people are collaborating on works with that in that way so like yeah it's it's interesting there's really cool stuff happening but um yeah, like a couple of guys have p- published books where they, you know, get a bunch of artists to do work, send it, you know, I might do an art- start an artwork, send it to the US, this other guy finishes it and then other people and then it all comes together and they make a book of like these collaborative collage pieces. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you about the um, like the, the mural work. You've done like interiors and stuff and I saw there was a wall you did with um, broken fingers from, uh, from yeah. Israel, which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah. yeah, that was fun. That was in Cambodia. Mm-hmm. And I was there. That was one of the first kind of collage walls I did. That kind of got me going, and thinking about the idea, because um, I was there, and the Broken Fingers crew came in to this this Tiger Translate festival thing that used to they used to do everywhere, and I got asked just because I was like, I don't know, I was probably one of the only artists, or foreign artists, around the city at the time. Can I get involved in this mural? And I like, and I was like, shit, I haven't really done anything, and I was doing this collage stuff at the time, and um. So I came up, yeah, I just kind of came, like, I mean, obviously, I thought paste up is the best way to do it, so I just kind of started messing around with it and did it, and then it led me to doing other ones.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. So um, so you've got an exhibition coming up at China Heights Gallery in Sydney. Like, can you tell me a bit about that?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I've exhi- I exhibited with them a couple of years ago with, like, collar stuff that I brought back from Mexico, and Ed's an old friend, so, I mean, he, we've i've done a bunch of stuff with them before but this shows um yeah i mean for me it's really different and really um something i've been thinking about and working on for quite a while like probably over a year really in terms of thought process and um and then and then actually you know kind of experimenting and working on it but it's um i mean for the first time i'm i've gotten a photographer to shoot photos for me that i've made collages out of um so that's the main big difference. The second main big difference is the photos um, are of me, <laughs> which um, I'm interested to see um, if people pick up on that because they have been collaged pretty heavily so that you wouldn't really recognize the person, which is the idea I don't want people to, which comes back again to, you know, my original way of working. Um, I want to I want to create like a, an atmosphere or kind of like a feeling, but uh, without um you kind of thinking back to something i mean people will recognize me in it who know me i guess but that's not the point but um yeah so it's going to be pretty confronting for myself and maybe a few people but it's um yeah it's something i've kind of been working on for a while so i got this photographer named tanya Buchner to shoot photos and, and i'm doing bigger scale and it's black and white um so yeah it's quite different for me
0: i'm looking forward to seeing the photos with um, with like being that all the images are of yourself, you can um, I guess you you can if you need a certain angle or whatever, you can reshoot them and keep mm. working, eh?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I originally wanted to thought about using a model, but um, mostly because you know I was just like, well, actually, I think I originally thought of using a model first off, but when I talked to well the photographer, but also talked to a bunch of other people about, um, because I definitely. A lot of my artworks are pretty personal. And and even when I was creating them using other images, like from magazines, I was always trying to create these images that spoke from within me or whatever and were kind of almost self-portraits sometimes, but obviously weren't images of me. So it just made sense to kind of, if I wanted to express these feelings or these um, these ideas, that, um, that it just wouldn't come out as strong or as powerful if it wasn't, if it was someone else um and it worked really well um so yeah it's the ideas yeah um, it took me a while to get over the idea of using photos of myself but um but now i think it's actually really powerful like it i think it works really well
0: good work it's uh I know what it's like you know even just me starting this podcast and talking to the microphone <laughs> yeah. still two years later it's, it's still bricking it every episode <laughs> <laughs>
1: <For me>. yeah. <laughs> yeah it is a weird feeling but I don't know I thought back to how many artists do self-portrait art work and and use themselves in their work so much so I was just like oh, just get over it and do it <laughs> yeah yeah
0: it's just it's like all art it's like um anything hey eh? putting yourself out there it's like it takes a lot of courage to do so because you you know, yeah, you're setting yourself up for judgment from others and yeah. you know. But I think it's a it's a good life skill to learn to block all that out and, you know, um do what you really feel like doing.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh man, that's something I've been trying to teach myself forever. <laughs> is like don't worry about what people think. Do <laughs> do that thing.
0: Yeah. I think the more the more you uh you put yourself out there, the easier it gets.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm yeah. still learning. I'm like forty two.
0: <laughs> I think it's a uh, it's a lifelong uh yeah. lifelong lesson that one. Yeah, yeah. So, um, one section I've uh I've decided to introduce into the podcast is a rapid fire question at the end, questions at the end. Um, yeah, I've been listening to a lot of other podcasts, and uh, some of them have it, and uh, I always really like that section, and I've been wanting to incorporate it into um bench talk for a while now. So, uh, you're the first cab off the rank. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, but um, so I've got some uh, questions for you. Hopefully, uh, you've got answers for me, and uh, we'll <laughs> yeah, see cool. how see how we go, eh? Okay. All right, here we go. Um, name one artist you think you think deserves more shine.
1: Um Well, I actually I would say the photographer I worked with on this recent series, Tanya Bruckner. Um, she's an amazing photographer and for the photos she shot of me, like there's no one but yeah, she's an amazing photographer, Tanya Bruckner.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, All I don't right.
1: think anyone else could have shot the photos that we shot, um and she did a great job.
0: Cool. And, um, like, what's one medium you'd love to work with?
1: Uh, definitely, like, um, like film, like, as in, like, cinema. I've always kind of been pretty, you know, a great lover of cinema. I would have loved to have directed a movie at some point, or possibly still.
0: Yeah, never too late, mate.
1: Never too late, can, never uh, too late. no way, man. I never say never too late. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's
0: a learnt skill. You know, yeah. the technology's out there. It's easier now than ever. For sure. <laughs> can do it with your phone Uh, um like what's one skill that you wish you had
1: uh skateboarding still (laughs) skateboarding like i used to be able to yeah or skateboarding like the kids do now jesus christ that would be cool yeah Uh,
0: (laughs) you're telling me you're telling me and uh who's your favorite artist
1: um yeah i've said this a lot but nick cave just across the board Yep. In every way, musically, lyrically. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's a good Very one. Very inspiring. Yeah.
0: Um, what advice would you give your younger self?
1: Um, yeah, kind of what we were just saying. Like, um, don't be afraid to do those weird things you wanted to do, those weird projects. Like be weirder. <laughs> yeah, be weirder. Don't be afraid to be weird. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah.
0: You'll have to uh, have to remind yourself that hey, you need to write it down somewhere you're gonna see it every day.
1: Yeah, fully, yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, What's a dream project for you?
1: Um, I guess doing like really large scale stuff, which I'm kind of headed towards. Um, So massive, yeah, collages, (laughs) Um, even, you know, like, I don't know, building size or something. Um, Or, you know, like I guess, you know, the way street artists work on buildings, but maybe something – that's that's not art on a wall. It's like, um I don't know, I'm headed towards I can I'm feeling like I'm headed towards large scale um assemblage or collage in some way. Um see what happens. But that would be something like that would be cool.
0: Yeah, totally. And um and where are you wanting to take your art career?
1: Um I mean shit. like every other artist of course I wanna be you know, some of my work at huge prices and complete freedom to do whatever i want with people loving it but um but i'd also be happy with like you know i mean i'm, I'm kind of on the i want to just have a couple of galleries you know who are supporting me and uh, with decent um collectors who are buying my work and and allowing me just to keep doing what i'm doing you know what i mean and and, and advancing my work support in that way but yeah mm. so i mean that would that would, that's a that's a probably achievable goal um and in fact, I probably should have done it years ago, but I, I don't know why I haven't.
0: Yeah, when when you say like complete freedom to do whatever you want, like isn't that? I don't that know I really sort have of that the, right. Yeah, that's the beauty of being an artist. You can do whatever. Totally.
1: you Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's just yeah, it's a stupid thing. It's like that thing, those voices in your head that hold you back, right? Like, I mean, I have the freedom to do what I want, and I have a completely incredible life, really. Like I know. And in fact, being a designer and an artist at the same time, I feel is quite lucky because it's like. I fund my art, and I can do these exhibitions and it's not i'm not completely um you know i don't if I don't sell any artwork at the show, it doesn't really matter that much, of course I want to, but it's not my you know all my money's just gone to this show but um but yeah, I'd like to be i guess more focused on just doing the art work, yeah even though I still love my design <laughs> work at the same time i don't know, yeah, yeah. No, i hear you man <laughs> yeah.
0: um so is there uh, any future plans or projects out there for you
1: um well i guess after i do this show I'm, I'm gonna actually go back to mexico in august for a couple of months and i probably will try i'm already talking to some people there about getting a gallery in mexico city and doing like like using the same materials probably the same show but like new artworks so i won't use the same works but um so I'll probably will do an exhibition later this year in Mexico with a similar theme and and as this show I'm doing in China Heights. But um, yeah, that'd be the main thing I'm aware of. But I want to do, like I said, I want to do something really big scale at some point. Um, and I'm trying to figure out who to talk to about that. And and I'll, I mean, it'll happen if I've got it in my head, things usually happen. Yeah. So that's see.
0: That's the spirit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what, like, um, what's the date of your uh, exhibition?
1: Yeah, it's in a couple of weeks. Actually, it's on the twenty seventh of July. It opens. Cool. Yeah, and actually, there's another guy, Brooklyn Whelan, who's exhibiting at the same time. He's an old friend, um, so that'll be cool. Cool. He's got he's got the big room and I got the small room. <laughs> yeah, that'll be fun.
0: Nice one. I've got a. Yeah. Uh, I've got a. I may as well plug it as well. I've got a solo show opening uh, on the twenty seventh as well. In, oh uh, shit! Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. In Tokyo. Oh wow! Uh, if anyone's going to be in Tokyo. Uh, come to Ruka Gallery. It's uh, I'll be there.
1: <laughs> oh wow, cool man! So yeah, enjoy. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, congrats! It's a big date for all of us. It is. Yeah, yeah. it's a big month. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> um, you also mentioned that you had some uh some boards coming out. Like some like no, sorry, it was like the re-release of some old boards you did.
1: Yeah, we're. Um, I've been talking with old like some old friends like Al Boglio and those guys at Time Skateboard so they're they're actually um re-releasing like um their old graphics that I don't know not sure if they're doing them on like the old sizes but he hit me up a few weeks ago to get the original graphics and funnily enough I still had them like digitally um at, at some point I moved them from floppy disks to uh to hard drives and so I sent him them all and yeah, if anyone's seen the new Slam magazine, they, I think they've got an ad on the back cover, um, like a teaser ad, and so so it should be happening. I th- I'm pretty sure they're going to put them all out. And, and I used to do majority of their graphics back in the back in the '90s. Cool. So it'll be cool to see all that stuff come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's definitely a big '90s revival at the moment, hey?
0: It is. It is. It's uh, it's funny. It's like it was, yeah. You know, it's it's. But, you know, being, you know, that we were like, I don't know, in our teens and 20s and that in the 90s. It's, um, it's funny to uh, see it all come back as like the fashions and everything.
1: It's like retro? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: It's, <laughs> it's retro and I look back and it's like, oh, man, like you see photos of you wearing certain stuff and it's like, oh, man, like I can't believe I used to wear that shit and then oh, you know, now it's back in
1: fashion. Fully, <laughs> totally. Yeah, there's skaters getting around wearing stuff that we used to wear and it's just it's a trip to see. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: But the funny thing is is I, I see them wearing it now and go, man, be careful. Don't get too many photos taken wearing that stuff. You're going to regret yeah, it down no. the track.
1: They haven't gone quite as baggy as we used to go. Nah. They haven't gone to like size forty eight Fat Man jeans yet. <laughs> used to, yeah. Yeah. But anyway. That's no cool.
0: Worries. So um where's the best place for people to see your work online?
1: Uh, oh for sure, Instagram. Um yeah, yeah. yeah that's where I post very what, what, regularly. What's your handle on it? Uh Steve double underscore TNE. Yep. Yeah. Cool.
0: Yeah. All right, well, Thanks, Steve. It's uh, it's really good to catch up with you.
1: Thanks, man. That was great.
0: Yeah, no worries.